There's nothing like starting big. This is so scary, I'm responsible for another life. As long as I'm active and my brain is going, I am fine. Penny, when she said, they're big people, you can't make them mad. He could have thrown you into the ocean and the sailors would have laughed. Nothing fucking happened. There were a nothing. lot of words. There was a lot there of was words a, in the book. I can see at this point how 27 Hishdars and and 53 dudes with colored hair and penises that hang to their knees. <laughs> I don't understand. All of a sudden, Danny's having self-image problems. She can't be that horny. You take hostages and then you start executing them. That when you're writing something that fucking sucks, it's hard to write. Because then when you sit back and look at it, you're like, oh, this fucking sucks. But when the good stuff comes, it comes. I don't even have to think about what my fingers are doing. It's just falling out of me. Jen, I didn't know you squeaked. I can squeak, yeah. I love when they dismiss him from the King's Garden. He says, I could slay every single one of you at once. Shago, son of Dolph, was going to cut off his nuts and feed them to a goat. He didn't care about that. This is Jen's show tonight. I am epic fail. Hello. Hey, Jen Chu. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Put it in here! <laughs> can anyone hear us? I hear you. <laughs> in here! <laughs> we just, we're, we're getting cats because we've decided we, we should get cats. So we just went to the pet store. Hey, Death. We just went to the pet store and... We're like, we need like really all the stuff here. So how did you come to the decision that you needed cats? I think we always wanted a cat, but we were like, no, we'll put that off until we have a house that can accommodate cats. And then I'm like, you know, there's many things you can put off in life. Let's just get the cat now. So I went to a lot of different shelters and inquired about a lot of different cats because I'm one of those people that likes to get multiple bits of information to compare. And of course, I loved two of the cats. So we're getting two cats. <laughs> so we needed two cat carriers. Then there was the cat condos. I just posted this on Facebook. I had an easier time buying a car than I did selecting a cat condo. So I just selected a cat condo, which I'm now looking over, and I'm like, I may have to move things to make the cat condo fit. Then we we, we bought an enormous amount of stuff at the, at the pet store. There's nothing like starting big. <laughs> exactly. Well, then Danielle on the way back is like, this is wonderful. You know, this is so scary. I'm responsible for another life and, you know, all these different things. I'm like... Like, you could substitute out child for cat right now. and it's, it's, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, because, well, I mean, it's true. And then we're getting, we're getting two cats. Have cat- either of you had a pet before? I had fish that didn't make it. Well, the problem was I put the fish in my office, then I forgot about three-day weekends. So no. you came in the Tuesday, and little, little they're all stuck to the side of the filter. So Okay, and what about Danielle? Yeah, no. Neither of us have had pets, but no, oh, it is. But this is very good training for when you have children. Oh yeah, well my yeah, but my, cats aren't nearly as good tra- as good a training method as dogs are. Right, true. Well, dogs much more so. I mean, we just had um, my friend, my my mother's friend, who I know, um, their daughter just got married, so they needed us to go and sit with their dogs for like the six hours. Like the, they left at four and they were back home by eleven for their kids' wedding, and I had to go and sit with their dogs with Danielle for those however many hours and of course i'm like letting the dog the dogs are going ballistic i let the dogs out because there's an electric fence which there was she just forgot to put the collars on them so i'm letting the dogs run wild thinking they're stop they're harnessed in and they're not so it was this like ridiculous thing and i'm like you know what you can't even go to your kid's wedding without having to 
find someone to, to bring well, to that's the app. Well, that's a little extreme. I mean... Uh, a little bit. And also consider, Jen, that cats consider themselves to be in charge. Same well, way with children. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, cats toilet themselves. Well, the thing where... This is true. The thing we're trying... Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, I've had my mother for eight years, so that's technically a lot of the childhood training, I think, right there. But Yeah, but oh, cats toilet themselves. And yeah. the whole pooping thing, it's, it's a pretty huge major issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that I don't have to pick up dog poop, I think, is, is a wonderful thing. The I thing- swear there's a story I heard years ago about a dog being trained to use the toilet. Well, we just went to the to the pet store and of course they have the as seen on tv thing where you can train your cat to use the toilet and it shows a cat sitting on a toilet seat and you've never seen a scared more scared looking cat in your life <laughs> this is on the this is on the packaging of the thing but what we're concerned about is we're getting two cats we're getting a, um, a two-year-old female who is very shy i think she was abandoned so she's very shy she hides under things and we're getting an 11 month old male who is bigger than the two-year-old female who is you in just a, need one box you just need one litter box but who's out- but who's in the house of 30 other cats my concern is will they get along yeah but what if he don't like romania what if the other dragons are mean to him he's only a baby after all Oh, for God's sake, pull yourself together, man. Well, you just need to introduce them slowly, and right. if they you, they both need to have their own food bowl. Right, exactly. I mean, the one thing I have going for me is they're both going to get here on the same day, so it's neither of their turf. So mm-hmm. both of them are going to be out of it. Where the hell are we? So neither of them is going to feel like the other one's and turf. And the... Um, of course, you're going to want to have them both spayed and neutered. They're already done. Okay, Good. there you there you go. Yep. So that will eliminate um, territorial right. spraying. Exactly. Well, yeah. cats are very bad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we got them from a shelter, so they're already spayed and neutered and all that stuff. So can you go? Well, I haven't eaten yet, so I'm starving. So I'm gonna uh, let you guys go. So I'm gonna put this on mute. Uh, Death has my phone. You have my phone. If you need me for anything. Very good. Have a blast. Okay. Just it may you. slow down, and we might decide we need to add other people. Who knows? Yeah, let me know. <laughs> We're here. We're here. We're here. We're all together again. We're here. No, we're here. Uh, no, we're here. It was, it was. I just had a West Wing quote stuck in my head, and I couldn't place it, but it's West Wing. Okay, I'm going. All right, bye. 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 Okay, hey, so Jen, we we yeah. finally make it. We succeed at plan. Woohoo! Go us. We rock. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this whole five-hour energy thing. I know like a handful of people that all will say, I just took a five-hour energy shot. Hang on, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. All right. The problem I'm having is that my mute light is out again. So I'm on mute. I just don't know if I am. So I'm about to go back on mute. So I should just drop off. But so far, you can hear me. You can hear me. You can hear me. He's yes. gone. You're gone. Uh, the five-hour energy is a very interesting little drink that I've discovered. I only care for the pomegranate flavor, which sucks because pomegranate is the only flavor I can't find. And what it is, is it contains a hefty dose of niacin, vitamin B6, folic acid, a whole shit ton of vitamin B12. And basically it's all of the raw components that your body needs to perk itself up. So it's all natural? Yeah, well, define all natural, but... Well, I meant it's all, it's not like caffeine and... It contains an amount of caffeine equivalent to one cup of coffee. That's it? Yeah, that's it. It's not like any of these big energy drinks or any of that. It's literally only 
two fluid ounces. Well, I've seen it before, and I've been, you know, I'm just like, ugh, you have no idea how many days I'm dragging ass. Mm-hmm. I like them. I've discovered that whereas Ryan likes to drink a cup of coffee before the podcast, I don't really care for coffee. So I take a five-hour energy shot, and I'm all good. Huh. Well... I don't know how many people know. I have narcolepsy. So by the end of the day, some days I'm like, (sighs) it's like worse than Aaron. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) We're five minutes in and we're already bringing up Aaron falling asleep. (sighs) It's going to be a good night, I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like I was waiting for Ryan to to ring through and I'm like, it's been five minutes. (laughs) My head is falling back. I'm like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. And I'm like. Dude, it starts to ring. I'm like, thank God it's starting. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm going to have to make myself uncomfortable. <laughs> now, now, tell me what narcolepsy is because I have a friend claim to have it. but Well, there's a couple. That, there, there's several different aspects to it. Um, the One of the worst ways to have it is to have um, spontaneous bursts of sleep where literally you can just be talking or driving or doing whatever and you just – go to sleep not off in your soup Mm. just sleep but most people don't most people don't experience it that way only a percentage do mine mine manifests itself mostly as as something called excessive daytime sleepiness and it just it doesn't matter how much sleep i've gotten or how tired i really am or my body is it just the minute that i sit down in a chair if i'm not active I will get tired. I mean, I will feel extremely drowsy and feel like I need to fall asleep. So I take a special medicine. It's actually a a freaking expensive, balls-out expensive medicine. Thank God for insurance. But um, I take a special medicine in the morning that helps me perk up. Mm-hmm. So do most people. It's called coffee. No. <laughs> and- I, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, but I actually, there have been times that I've gotten really addicted to drinking coffee in the morning. And I have had to stop using caffeine as mm-hmm. a way to perk myself up. Because I've found that I've gotten too dependent on, at times on drinking things with caffeine in them and relying on that extra dose of oomph. Mm-hmm. Because I would I would find that I I would start to need that to get going even more so with than with the medicine that I was taking. So I have to really be careful about whether or not I drink a lot of coffee or diet soda or anything with a lot of caffeine in it. So then these little five hour energy shots came out, and my first friend to start using, she's like, "Oh my god, I bought a case. These <laughs> things are fabulous." I'm just like, oh my God, if I started relying on something like that to keep myself awake, I would just, it it would be the best thing in the world for me and then the worst thing in the world for yeah. me. Uh, but if, I, I've never even allowed myself to pick a bottle up. If your problem so I, is with caffeine, then these won't really bug you. So I had, as I, such. I had no idea that they actually were mostly, you know, like niacin and B12 and folic acid because I actually take um, sublingual B12 every morning, you know. Oh, as, really? As, yeah, as a supplement to my. Say, say that again. I think it's called sublingual, sublingual B12. It's something that you, instead of taking it as a, a capsule or a pill and swallowing it, it, it dissolves in your mouth, kind uh, of like. Okay. So you just stick it under your tongue and let it dissolve 
I mean, it dissolves really fast, but supposedly it gets into your system a little faster and it doesn't interfere with other things in your stomach. That's good. The According to the information on the bottle, it has 8,333% of the daily value of vitamin B12. Wow. <laughs> and it is 2,000% of vitamin B6. Yeah, that, yeah. So, I mean, if it's all that vitamin B, it can be bad. Okay. I've got Catherine in the background. She's sharing science facts with us. Well, you know, I can appreciate some good science. Hopefully I'll be able to tease that audio out in the edit. are water soluble so all this extra b vitamins you're consuming your body's just gonna piss it out within three hours unless your body's gonna use it like right now so your pee is gonna be neon golden yellow this has been a moment in science yeah but that especially since i've been working out i've been taking a lot more b12 and Mm -hmm. and um taking more vitamins and i'll get more worn out and and then i'd be just like (sighs) but usually as long as i'm active and my brain is going i am fine sometimes i have how should i say it it's like my brain knows what word it wants to use but my mouth doesn't know how to say it and so sometimes i have problems stringing words together I get that sometimes. You're searching for the right word, and your brain knows it, but your tongue just won't spit it out. Yeah, I have that like little disconnect thing, mm-hmm. and that's kind of part of it, a little bit of it, too. That's when but, the filter goes into overdrive a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I can sit there and think, well, I know exactly what I'm thinking. I know exactly what word, type of word I want to use. I can, you know, like feel it in my internal thesaurus. And it just isn't coming to me, and it makes me really frustrated because it makes me feel like a dorkus. <laughs> it's like, I do not sound like a moron. I am not a moron. You need to sound more deliberate in your tone, and then you can talk like William Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially why, because I, I have to work for it sometimes, but... Anyway, so five-hour energy. Hmm. Yeah, they're they're pretty good stuff. I I gotta say, I've, and it's definitely kicked in by now. I feel amped up, ready to kick into the discussion. High energy, and not well. And I, then this happened, and I think. Well, and we I will use like that, that. I will use that five-hour energy as a segue. Okay, I, think, I, I, think, I had a segue and ready because you say you've been working out a lot lately and you said you were going to listen to the previous recording, which our listeners will have already heard. Uh, I, did. Well, I did. I did. I did listen to it while I was I, working out. I wanted to ask you, what did you think? How did we do? I think you did great. And I, I was, you know, actually, you know, huffing and puffing and yelling along kind of with you. <laughs> My 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 segue my segue was I think George needed to have a five hour energy shot about five hours while he was writing a book. 
Well done, Jen. Well done. Well done. <laughs> the Pufo Exchange was our last best hope for conversation. We failed. But in season three, it became something greater. Our last best hope for entertainment. And welcome back to the Pufu Exchange. Hi, I'm Jen too. And I'm Deathrill again. We and are here tonight because Jen missed our previous recording. She feels strongly about things too, has a few things to say. I'm here primarily to respond to her. This is Jen's show tonight. Ha! Huh. Well, I can honestly say that I read the book and I actually had just finished it when you all scheduled your podcast. And because I am epic fail at answering and looking at my email sometimes... I totally did not even notice. I mean, and my little Skype thing at the bottom of my computer, my little toolbar is so is very small. And sometimes I might have a couple of Skype things popped up and, and open. I might not notice that somebody's window has turned yellow. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> sometimes people can send me things and I might not have any idea that they're trying to talk to me. <laughs> Especially if Ryan's been trying to talk to me about watching Chuck. Like, <laughs> He's trying to get me to watch that too. <laughs> For like, the I have enough on the list already. So then when I realized that you had recorded this like the night prior and I was just face palming it. Uh, 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 they just recorded it. How? Uh, answer my email. Uh, get better at that. I was pissed because I was really inflamed at the time. I was very inflamed. And so I had read through the whole book and then I had picked through it a little bit more. And then I just kind of threw it down. I was pissed. (laughs) Like fucking swill. And then I listened to the podcast and I thought about the things that were talked about in that podcast, and we'll get to them. But I had some very dear friends of mine here um, a couple weeks, a couple weekends ago. Actually, it was last weekend. We're recording this on a Monday night, so it would have been basically eight days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually gave him my battered copy of a Game of Thrones, and. I decided in my head that I wouldn't have given this dear friend of mine. Actually, it's my daughter's first father. So he's a very dear friend of mine. Um, I would not have given him a Game of Thrones and asked him, you know, and, and opened him up to this series if I hadn't thought that it was worthwhile. And he was talking to me while we were kind of discussing the book a little bit and what it was sort of about you know, enough for him to be interested in actually taking the book off my hands. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, how would you have felt if this book had only taken two or three years to be written? Um, I said, I wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be pissed off. I don't think. I think that I would have considered the book very transitional. 
I would have written that off as there's obviously something in this book that there's something that I need to grasp that I don't either understand or I'm missing some point or he feels the need to tell me the same story twice. But, you know, he's the author and it's his baby. But instead, it took six years. And so it took six years and I built it up for six years. Mm-hmm. And, and I built and I, I would, I would say we've been things. building it up for 10 years. I've been waiting for a book called Dance with Dragons for not quite 10 years. Well, yeah, because I came late. I came in late. As did I. I came into it after Storm of Swords was published. I'm not sure exactly when I picked it up. But, but, I've, been, but I've been building this book up in my head. I've been building and building and building and building and building this book up in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, Exactly expect- like we all did with Order of the Phoenix. Yes, and expecting that certain things were going to be there and certain questions were going to be answered and, and certain characters were going to be there and, and certain things would certainly they would happen. You know, because you just, with all the speculation, they just had to happen that way. You know, I mean, that's just that every avenue is pointing there. He set it all up. It has to happen that way. And it didn't. <laughs> no, it and, didn't. And instead, we got this fucked up novel about some fucked up fork bearded Dario and, his, you know, and her Daenerys's stupid idiot pit fighting lover, Hishtar, or Hishtar. Mars. Shaga, son Shaga. of Dolph. Shaga, son of Dolph. We, all of the marine people are Shaga, son of Dolph. <laughs> I, I mean, that, at, at some you, point, by I, the way. at some point, I wanted to say, which Hishtar is this? <laughs> I mean, because I, I had, you know, several times I've read in, and George is not a blog. You know, about this big thing that's giving him trouble about this Miranese knot. And for anybody that hasn't read George's Not a Blog, I mean, there's some things there about the books. There's other things that are amusing. But he's talked about this several times that it's just something that he had to answer for himself in A Dance with Dragon. This this whole concept, this problem with what's happening in Marine. Nothing fucking happened in Marine. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Somebody else who agrees with me that nothing happened. There were a no- lot of words. There was a lot was of words a- in the book. There was a lot of description a- of things that didn't matter at all, but there was no happening in a plot. There was nothing that happened in Marine. Nothing. There was nothing that we really needed to know about. And I can't see at this point how... 27 Hishtars and and 53 dudes with colored hair and penises that hang to their knees. <laughs> How that is going to affect the story in Westeros. I, I don't understand. And so hopefully when the winds of winter come, hopefully uh-huh. Dario is going to come sliding in on his, you know, electric horse or something. And he's going <laughs> to... <laughs> Don't make me laugh because then we're going to laugh through this. You know, he's uh, going to come in and whip out a sword and save the day. He's going to take off somebody's head and oh, I win. I get the throne. Because, you know, he's so manly. But nothing happened in Marine. And the, and the only thing that I, the only thing that really did happen in Marine is that he destroyed the character of Danny. 
I agree fully. Danny was not a strong character in this, like he, we've he previously made, seen her. He made me disrespect Danny. In the first four books, he has spent telling us that this was a little girl who grew up instantaneously and turned herself into a queen whose subjects, whose people, her unsullied, did not question what she said. She was, they were in awe of her. They worship her. Yeah, she she did not look back. She made decisions. It was what, you know, she had, you know, dragon blood. I mean, he set it up that it didn't matter what her age was. It didn't matter that she was a woman. It mattered that she was going to go back as a queen. Mm-hmm. In, in her mind, she was going to go back to get her throat. And what, all he did was put her in Marine and keep telling us that she was just a girl. Well, for four books, she's been telling us that she's, he's been telling us that she's not just a girl. So all of a sudden, where in the frick did it ha- come from that all of a sudden Danny's having self-image problems? She can't be that horny. <laughs> God, no. You're right. She took a complete step back, and there's no real justification for it. And it's not got anything to do with Quaith, I really don't believe, because she's, I mean, she went in and she got all that prophecy, and and she took it with a grain of salt. And yes, you know, one of the biggest things that came out of that in, in the second book was, you know, to go forward, you have to go back. To go west, you have to go east, you know. I got so sick of her repeating that to herself. Well, I can understand the concept of that to herself because basically what Quaith is telling her is that in order to go forward, you've got to learn what's behind you first. You know, you've got yeah, to learn. basically you need to learn to, from your history. Yeah, you've got to learn where where you were so that you can go forward, you know, without making mistakes. Or that's how that's how I took it, you know, and she's taking it very literally And yes, she needed to go east to go west because she needed an army. But she didn't have to sit in Marine and and let Yonkai and, you know, all the other cities make war against her when she'd already annihilated them. Why did she just let them? Why did she just let them go around beating up on her? Why should she have cared? I know that she wanted to be a good queen. And I know that she thought that she needed to learn how to rule her subjects capital letter rule her subjects trademark yeah she she didn't have anything to prove to those people she went in and she freed them if you want to go back to being a slave fine here i'll just leave your damn city and you can go back and somebody can buy you or somebody can round you up in a cart and beat you with a whip and then sell you to someone and you can be indentured for the rest of your life so you either want to do it my way or you want to do it their way. So, you know, work with me. She was wishy-washy. Yeah. And Danny is not a wishy-washy character. She was presented with a surefire plan to stop the killings by the Sons of the Harpies. You, you take hostages and then you start executing them. And she, and the, she, and she just now starts our, to... F- our Danny from the first four books, I think she would have done that. I agree. I, I definitely think that, think she I think would that the, the very first Danny chapter was about the only Danny chapter, plus maybe a few sentences here or there out of some of the other chapters that we even needed out of that whole mess of marrying. I mean, and why did she even marry that dude? She didn't want the fighting. It was absurd. It was so absurd. She didn't want the fighting pits. She, so she let herself get talked into it. 
I mean, I know why George had such trouble writing this, because it was unnecessary garbage filler. Because it sucked. Yes. And anybody who's writing anything knows that when you're writing something that fucking sucks, it's hard to write. Because then when you sit back and look at it, you're like, oh, this fucking sucks. Uh-huh. And so it's hard because the good stuff falls out of you. I may not write very often, but when the good stuff comes, it comes. I don't even have to think about what my fingers are doing. It's just falling out of me. Mm-hmm. The story just flows right out of your head. I don't even have to. I don't have to stop and think about how to connect things. The dialogue is there. I can just sit and type and type, 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 and it's there. And all of a sudden, I can say, "Oh my gosh, I just typed 15 pages." Mm-hmm. No, Professional no, authors can't get away with doing that. They have to be consistent. They can't just do it when. Well, right. the mood strikes them or whatever. There's a, a wonderful discussion of that on a podcast I listened to called The Secrets. And I believe it's Michael Stackpole who runs that. And he just talks about the tips and tricks of being a professional writer. And one of those is being able to consistently write and flow. But if it's taking you forever to get through something, it's because there are there's huge problems with how the whole thing is put together. And all of this was unnecessary, in my opinion. I think I, they I, I mean, could have just taken the the children and executed them and she spent too much time worrying about being a butcher queen it's like and she, Hello? Spent, she spent too much time worrying about feeding the dragons they're dragons they eat big things mm-hmm. i mean how was she gonna rein in the dragons that was the whole point well she doubted herself well she was able to exercise control over them when she had full confidence in herself at least drogon and drogon's the most wild of the bunch yeah, I mean, and just the whole time I was just like, what? You know, WTF, Danny, this, you are not you in this book. And, and there's, if the, the problem with his writing was this Miranese not, I understand because nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. It was a whole bunch of unnecessary swill. And the, problem, and the problem with that is that he was trying to tie several other things into this unnecessary swill and so what mm-hmm. happened is is he took several other story arcs and turned them into pig slop <laughs> i mean yeah. that, that's the best that's the best thing i can i can say because i mean jesus christ Tyrion made it all the way across in a freaking wine cask and he didn't even make it to danny mm-hmm. <laughs> Before, uh, oh, and, and I can't imagine why in the world Tyrion would be, you know, playing, you know, the, the stunt pig riding stunt rider dude, you know, with his little penny and, and not say, hey, I'm Tyrion Lannister. Hiya. Uh, I don't know either. Every other time in his life, he stood up and said, hello, I'm Tyrion Lannister. I pay my debts. I mean, exactly. Hello. Shaga, son of Dolph, was going to cut off his nuts and feed them to a goat. He didn't care about that. No. No, he didn't. And he won those men over with the sheer force of his personality. And then all of a sudden he's worried because he might die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we commented that Tyrion is a very broken character in this this novel. And I, I believe that. I can understand that Tyrion is broken. I will give him a little bit of brokenness however we don't really know how old he is right now i don't really think it's established i'm gonna guess he's in his late 20s early 30s i am not really sure 
Yeah, that sounds fair. But he married Tisha when he was 13 years old, if I get that right, if I remember correctly based upon... I don't remember, but I'll agree with you. Sure, 13. I'm pretty sure he was 13 years old or about to be 14. He He was very, very young. And they hold up in this little house, cottage, for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And yes, he fell in love with her. And he fell in love with her because she was the first person that accepted him as he was. And yes, I know that it was very devastating for him to lose her because he hadn't had anyone that accepted him as he was ever and never did really again until shapes you know, stuck the knife in and twisted and ruined that. But he's had a lot of years. He's had a lot of years to kind of get over that. He's seen a lot of life. This is not life like what we're experiencing now. Everything is a lot different. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's raw. It's you know, things were not guaranteed. He knew he had he he knew when he married her that they'd come and get him and bring him home. He he had to know that there was no way he was going to get away with it. You know, so to me, it was just like, well, I'm going to do this for as long as I can. And he had to know that his father was cruel and his father would do something terrible. And Tywin did do something terrible. But I think for, what, for I think what made it easy his- for him to accept it was that it was Jamie who told him. And he he really looked up to Jamie at that point in his life. And if but, Jamie said it, it must be true. But at this point, he's had several books to look back at some of the things that Jamie's done and wonder if Jamie has really, <laughs> really earned his respect. I mean, he knows that he threw Bran out the window. You know, he knows that he crippled that little boy and, you know, basically is, you know, condemned him to a life like his own. He knows that well, he just knows all the politics that are wrapped up. He knows the things that Cersei has done. He knows what a twat Joff is. You know, I mean... Uh. <laughs> there have been so many things that Jamie could have done to step up. His character, to me, maybe was redeemed in the third book, but it was no big secret to Tyrion that he had they could have been brothers but you can love your family but you can still acknowledge that your brother is a complete waste of humanity I mean love is not that blind and he was very smart and yes Jamie betrayed him once more but Tyrion's a very cerebral person and it just was hard for me to grasp that he just lost his shit that much so I don't know I, I think you've talked yourself out on that point yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, How did we get into the uh, the dearth of Tyrion's character? He was in Marine. Oh, he didn't jump up and say, "I'm Tyrion." Yes, I'm a Lannister. I'm a Lannister. Yeah, I really expected him to do something exactly like that. Actually, I really expected him to use that as his in. And the bit where they were almost eaten by the lions, I didn't even pick up on the fact that they were almost eaten by lions until afterward when they were talking about it. And see, I mean, that part, there were certain parts of the the book in, in Tyrion's arc that I did really enjoy. Him having to learn how to be a common person, I liked reading that. And I liked him understanding what was about to happen to them in that fighting pit. I liked him knowing that he was about to die. He was about to be eaten by lions and that Penny was so naive that she had no idea that they were about to throw them into slaughter. 
I liked that. He was very, very humbled in this. He was very, very humbled in the fact that he had to rely on Illyrio to feed him and move him and get him from one place to another without being seen by other people who wanted to chop off his head. He was very beholden to to all of the to all of these people instead of the tables being turned and everyone being beholden to him. So I liked the humbling of Tyrion. I just I got too much of where do whores go. I felt it served him good to have to learn to live as a common person. And I liked Penny when she said, They're big people, you can't make them mad. He could have thrown you into the ocean and the sailors would have laughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did I did like that because he had no understanding of what it would have been like for her to grow up as yeah, a not at all. In his person. In his own way, he's the bastard of Casterly Rock, if you will. Yeah. Um, he had no he idea what it's like to be a normal person, even though he's a dwarf. He's a Lannister, and he's always thought of himself that way because he always heard his father referring to the small folk as small folk. Yeah, and she literally, she's literally lucky that they didn't leave her outside to die when she was born. Well, her father was also a dwarf. True. I forgot about that. Yes. Oops. Ding, ding, ding. I'm going to turn my waterlizer off. I really did like Tyrion's arc. I really like Barrist and Selmy's arc. I did too. What irritated me about his chapters was the fact that we got these obscure descriptors, like the Kingbreaker and, and whatnot. Which that... is, it was so annoying because we know who Selmy is. We know who Asha is. We've had point of views from Asha before. We don't need to see her referred to as the King's Prize or uh, the Abandoned Bride or whatever. When it, that did bother me because when, that's when the it came one to John that, Connington. I absolutely understand. New character, mysterious. Okay, awesome. But it was the, overused as a literary device. What What was the point of even going there? We've had four books of of chapter titles of just people's names. Well, except for except for in four books, I think it's happened a few times. It, it's the, not the new, vipers. But. The vipers' daughters. I think he did it with a little bit in Dorne in the mm -hmm. last novel but it seemed like everything in this book we had to figure it was like some big conspiracy and we had to figure it out first and you're like oh it's just barristan sell me and then one book in one in one chapter he's a king breaker and the next yeah the queen's guard the king breaker yeah it's like just say it's barristan yeah. it's the same it's the same content you know we're gonna figure that out for ourselves we're still the same people who read all the other books you know, we're smart enough to, you know, sit and chew the fat on everything else that's happened and everything else you've written. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, do us some, you know, do us a favor and just save us some trouble. Don't make it harder for us. But I really liked reading his chapters. I really liked the backstory. I wish I could get some more backstory. I liked that he's training knights. Yes, I like that he's training knights. It seems odd. It seemed kind of seemed odd to me that you know he's over in the eastern part of the world and he's training knights. Mm -hmm. Not not odd that he's actually doing it, but it seemed it seemed like it would be like a fish out of water that you know maybe he would be. How do I want to describe it? That he's doing something that's so foreign in a different. Mm -hmm. It's like how Ned a, had a chapel for the seven constructed yes. for Caitlin. They don't have a place here. Yeah, it's just it's just something that's from a totally different world. 
And these people are not, they just have no concept of what a knight is. You know, the concept of chivalry and, and the things that you stand for when you're a knight. But they've got a great example in Barristan Selmy. Yes, yes. And I think just the way he's looking at, at these boys, and I think he's got six of them that he knights by the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, he, he's found a few, and he's teaching them the right way, the old way. Right. Because uh, I, I love when they dismiss him from the King's Garden. He says, I could slay every single one of you at once. Yeah, and then he goes <laughs> out. To, he goes out to the gate, and he just beats the crap out of the gold cloaks and mm-hmm. they're like well how did you get out and they were like he's barest and sell me you know exactly you don't need to ask this question well you know we how are we supposed to stand against him you know he's the captain of the king's guard seriously you gotta shoot him from a distance with a crossbow or something yeah but i really enjoyed reading about him i enjoyed the humbling arc about Tyrion. As much as I wanted to know about Arya, I didn't really want to know what he wrote about Arya, and so now it just was enough to piss me off. I don't mind what was written necessarily, but it didn't advance her plot at all. I don't feel these chapters belonged in this book. I feel they belong in Winds of Winter. Yeah, it was that's prob- probably true. I didn't really need to know what happened with her. It's like he didn't do anything with her, so I, I would rather just not have seen her in this book. Agreed. All it was was a sit rep checking in, by the way, here's Arya. You know, and if he was going to do that with Arya, why didn't he do that with Sansa? I had the same comment. And or it, Caitlyn. It just, it just seemed like a tease to give us two chapters. You know, or Caitlyn, or yeah. Rickon, or... <sighs> we haven't seen Rickon in several books. Might yeah. be nice to know what happened to him. Now, speaking, Bert- speaking of Rickon, Davos is on a mission to go look for him. Yeah, Davos, Davos, who I assured P.S. at some point, was definitely alive. So I'm glad that I redeemed myself and that he is alive, which I knew he would be alive. Because he was only seen to be dead. It was only hearsay that he was dead in the first place. But I liked that Davos... See, Davos just isn't my man. I liked his parts. Well, if he was your man, you'd have a challenge from P.S., I think. Yeah, I know. I know. Davos, I like Davos' stuff. I don't know, just the whole Davos, Stannis... I think the problem doesn't... might be that Stannis isn't a very likable character. And and da- Davos, as you know, as, as a result, just him being loyal and Hufflepuffish with him is, <laughs> is, is... You know, it's like, well, that's very admirable, Davos. It is. I like his, his loyalty, his personal loyalty to the man and how he acts as a moderating influence. And, and I, I like... Feel- I like Davos's character arc. Starts lowly smuggler, rises to a knight, and then a lord, and now he's the hand of the king. King, and I do. I mean, I do really. You know, he's lost his fingers, and the whole concept. He's always, you know, wishing for his luck. He's, you know, reminding himself, you know, where he was, and he's, you know, gripping mm-hmm. for that, and it's not there anymore. And how he lost his sons in the battle of the backwater, and how much he recognizes that his life has changed, and and that he doesn't know if he'll ever be able to see his wife again and how he just wishes that sometimes he could just run away from w- what it is, all the things that that have happened even though they're good and just go and just live mm-hmm. just and be with the rest of his family that he does have because he wonders if all of this is really really worth it 
I I like Davos. I just wish I liked Stannis more because it would make me appreciate Davos more. <laughs> Aaron and I uh, decided that we like Stannis more in this book because he, unlike everyone else, is actually doing stuff. <laughs> and I did find that I liked Stannis more in this book because in all the other ones, I just think that he's an incredible asshole. That does come across, but I've, I've been listening to the previous recording a fair amount during the edit and such. P.S. said she wouldn't, I think it was P.S., said she wouldn't want to live in the country that Stannis is king of. But we also object to all the rape in the books, and Stannis objects to rape. He will castrate men in his forces who rape women. I think that, that Stannis has been, I want to say misled. Misled is the wrong word. I don't want to say misinformed. I think that Melisandre got him, came to him at a weak moment. I mm-hmm. think she was able to latch onto him emotionally at a time when he needed to feel powerful. And that she has, you know, as being, you know, being a red priestess, she has her own brand of power to offer him that he's mistakenly or that he's mistaken for something that can really be of use to him. And we really are not quite sure of what her motivations are yet. I did like her better in this book. Yes, as did I. And I I know it's because we got a point of view chapter from her. We've always known that Thoros of Mir was was a red priest. You know, so yes. obviously that there there are other red priests who are are good people. And we always hear of them being in other cities and obviously they can't all be monsters or you know they would have run them out. Mm-hmm. You know, and called them, you know, warlocks or... And then you look at all the work that Thoros did with the Brotherhood Without Banners, completely getting away from his previous life as the drunk who liked to dip his sword in dragon flame. Right. So, obviously, there's something for her there. And, and I think that she may have done some dark things in order to advance herself to a place where she could... Oh, she's definitely done dark things, like what she did to Renly. Yeah, to bend to bend Stannis's ear so that she would have it. I just I liked Stannis more. I liked her more. There's just something about that whole dynamic. It might have had to do with Jon Snow. I I don't really know, but Stannis he does come across as more of a better king. I'm still not sure that he he's who is supposed to be ruling the country. We raised an interesting point last time. Stannis is the last of the five kings. He is. Yes, it was Stannis, Renly, Joffrey, Balin, and Rob. And he's still standing, and he's the only one that came to the aid of the wall. wall to defend the realm. If it's not a Targaryen on the throne, I'm willing to bet it's Stannis. Yeah, I. it could go there. And speaking of Targaryens... You want to talk about the new one? You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got tired of the plot device of, oh, look, he's not really dead. Look at this. Yeah. Oh, he's been hiding in secret. Okay. Well... Sure. Um, was Elliot... I mean, it's obviously... I thought that they pulled the kids from their bed. They were with Elia, and they killed them all at the same time. So how did they... It was Varys. Well, it was, uh, yes, it was Varys. I mean, I understand that in this book we know that it's Varys, but I guess Jamie does, I, 
is it Jamie? Does he actually say in this book that he didn't look in the bundle? Um, Somebody didn't look in the bundle, and maybe that's how he, they got away. No, it wouldn't have been Jamie because he wouldn't know he's alive. But something about the baby was wrapped up in a bundle. and That is said. Um, and maybe Gregor just picked him up and bashed him, and there was no identification at all. I really don't know. That is just bothersome. The mountain? Because, yes. Well, the mountain, yes. <laughs> Why did he have to be alive? I thought we heard him screaming and Quiburn was, you know, down there, you know, trying to ease his suffering. I actually flipped open Dance for the first time since I finished it today and I read a couple of chapters and one was the chapter down in Dorne where they're talking about that and they've been presented with the skull and they actually have doubts about whether this is his skull or not. But the Sand Snakes, they all say that, uh, well, one of them says at least that she knows what poison he used and there's no way he could have survived. So either that really is the mountain's head and Sir Robert Strong is the mountain's body with no head and just a helmet, which might explain why he doesn't speak. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure where he's going with Robert Strong. Me either, and I don't know how he's going to help Cersei. No, and yeah... I don't, I wasn't, that one just made me speechless. I'm like, why, what's, what's going to happen here? Cersei has been, basically, he might as well have just decided not to say anything else about her. She has no more power. She's been disgraced. Mm -hmm. She might as well be dead. To me, it's like, there's no way that she could rise to any other heights. She's just not going to be able to do anything. She's broken. There's nothing that you can do after you've been paraded naked through the town. I mean, there just isn't. The only I mean, thing we decided is that we want to see her kill all the septas who did that to her. But I don't see how she's going to accomplish it. No, I don't think she can accomplish it. And I think the septas, that was the way things were. And I also think that, you know, they were trying to teach her a dose of humility. And that's the way they tried to do things like that back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm not some scholar or anything, but when they went to try to teach someone humility, they didn't try to do it, you know, in the political correct way. Certainly not. So, you know, shaving her head and shaving her body and doing all the things that just really took her out of her shell. I mean, they, that's just what they did, I think. And I mean, basically they, they knew the things that she had done and she refused she still refused to own the fact that she slept with her brother, and everybody knows it. <laughs> I mean, why admit to all these other things that are even worse? Especially when, well, it's not commonly accepted, but your father's gone, your other brother's gone, you're already being paraded through the streets. Jamie's still around, but he really doesn't want anything to do with her. I guess that they could they could throw Tommen off the throne, but then who, the kingdom's already... Yeah, who do they put? Who has the best claim? The, if kingdom's, they, the kingdom's already been at war. It's it's just chaos. There's nothing left. There's no more people. There's no more men. There's no more food. There's it's autumn. There there's just there's nothing left for anybody to try to overthrow anymore. So what does anyone gain by trying to take Tommen off the throne? I don't think anything. I mean, there's especially at the end in the epilogue where Varys knifes Kevin Lannister. Which was awesome. I got to see him do something. Yeah. He he never does anything. He just influences and whispers and such. So, I mean, there's no more Lannisters. There's Cersei, who will never rise again. There's 
the the only one left is Tyrion. Well, and he's so far removed. I mean, I I don't have a book with me here. I don't know who the heir of Lannister is right now. Well, I would think that the only one left would be Tyrion. I mean, his father always said that he would never have it, but which means you know he will. You know, we know he will. I can't imagine that. I mean, Tyrion. I'm sure planned for his demise, or Tywin planned for his demise. But I can't imagine him actually signing papers to will away his estate to someone that's not his family when he has living sons. Oh, definitely. He's got too much family pride for that. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm, I'm looking at the family tree. Tywin is dead. His wife, Joanna, is dead. Uh, his daughter, Cersei, is alive. She'll never inherit anything. Uh, Jamie is still alive, so unless he's killed, he probably will claim Casterly Rock, even though he's ineligible being Kingsguard. Tyrion is alive. Let's see. Lance is still alive. Tywin's sister, Jenna, is married to a Frey. Tywin's eldest brother. Now, th- this doesn't make any sense, actually. If Kevin is Tywin's eldest brother, then why is he not Lord of Casterly Rock? That's got to be a mistake. Anyway, there's yeah. Lancel. Didn't Lancel give up his title and set aside his wife and go and join the religious order? Yeah. The religious knights. So he's not going to inherit anything. Kevin's third son, Martin, is still alive. And that's really it. I think it has to be Tyrion. I think it has to be Tyrion. And I think we were talking about Targaryens. Why would they introduce Quinn? Another Targaryen. Why why would he introduce Quinn? Well, I know that he introduced Quinn because he needed somebody to lose the dragon. That was Quentin's only purpose in the book. But it's like anybody could let a dragon loose and get torched. Did we really need a whole... Did we need all of his chapters? I really don't think so. I mean, did we really need all of that just to find... He, I mean, he just was there the as fate? a convenient suspect for the poisoned almonds. Or the, no, the, the chocolate-covered locusts yeah, or whatever it was. The, honey, so, the honeyed... Honeyed locusts. And he was the there as a suspect for that, but... And when, she, and when he got there and she said, I'm marrying... I married or I married this guy tomorrow. He, I don't think it was, you know, really, <laughs> oh, stop the wedding. I'm going to marry this guy instead. I mean, she doesn't really know who he is. He could have been anybody. But it, it's at least worth investigating, don't you think? Yeah, it Since- would be worth investigating, but it's not like she was just going to halt everything and just let's have the wedding right oh well we'll forget him and you just stand up here and we'll carry on with the ceremony well and i think that's what he expected it's like oh, i'm gonna go there and she's gonna marry me that's really what it seemed like he seemed a little bit too immature for that because he seemed more mature at the end of storm of swords when he was being sent off it was yeah. storm of swords right i think so yes saying, you know, here's this, but I, I would have hoped his father would have impressed upon him that this doesn't mean you and her, this is for siblings, and this never happened, but this is the proof of the friendship that our family has for her family. Use this and win her. Don't go in there and expect like this is already a done deal, because it's not. Right. And so he, the whole thing, it just, that was, well, and of course, that's another part of the Miranese not. Mm-hmm. Marinese not, but we were discussing the other Targaryen. Yeah, we're we're discussing Eris. Is it Eris? I thought it was. I don't. I don't even know. Eris. I don't think it was Eris. It was. I. My book is on my nook, so it's hard for me to flip back and forth through all of those appendices. It was 
Aegon. Aegon. Okay. Aegon, Eris, Aaron. <laughs> okay, Aegon. I wasn't really all that compelled by the John Connington. I, I felt bad for him because he got grayscale on his hands. Yeah, I thought it was kind of pointless. I mean, Tyrion fell in the drink, and he didn't get it. So far as we know. Well, so far as we know. And if that's even really how you get it, who knows? Yeah, I thought it was weird that we get these statue people in the middle of this. I was like, yeah, hey, look, more magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems to me that the magic is ramping up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's detracting from the story. Yeah, at first, you know, we barely got any magic at all. The only magic we had for books was basically the others from the prologue of A Game of Thrones. And that was kind of what I was expecting to find out more of in this book, rather than, you know, watching Aegon float down a river and, you know, get pounced upon by stone men. Again, another part of the Miranese knot that I wasn't impressed with. Hey, look, somebody else has travel plans. Has travel plans and wants to marry Danny. And their travel plans get disrupted because, I don't know, bad weather in Albuquerque and we got to divert to Denver. And honestly, I will... I will say that I was kind of shocked to find out that Egan was alive because I guess so much speculation has been done by so many people and so many avenues, areas, that it will be John and Danny riding mm-hmm. the dragons. That you all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you need a third head. Well, you need a third. And I think we all kind of assume that it's Tyrion. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will be, though. He's a lion, not a dragon. Yeah. But Do we mind, always can I can I detour you into something interesting? Let me Richard? finish my thought real sure, quick. Sure, sure. But we always assumed that John and Danny would have some kind of important thing going on and that John I think was not really Ned's son. And Is... I think that it's always been even though it's been said from book one that he is Ned's bastard son. There has been the implication or or there's been the hint and there's been all the backstory about Rhaegar and Lyanna. And it's just kind of led you down this path that makes you want to believe that John is their son. And that Ned, obviously, you know, she, you know, swore an made Ned swear, swear an oath on her deathbed and he swore to take care of her son and you know that's just where John came from and it makes sense however now we have Aegon and it just kind of dashes all that and we also have that little bit in there about Wyla and now supposedly John is just a bastard again and I was so disappointed <laughs> okay tell me about Richard Richard left a note on my wall saying, uh, on Facebook, saying that George Martin was asked during a question and answer period if it is possible to warg into a dragon. And he didn't answer the question. Yes, I saw that. Okay. I think it's very interesting because that means that Bran could be one of the heads of the dragon. Ah, yes. Yes. Any of them could be a head of the dragon then because they all can warg. It could be Arya. It could be Sansa. It could be Rickon. (laughs) <laughs> We're making all these predictions that Rickon is going to grow up and be awesome. Yes, yeah. yes, he will. Rickon, Rickon is going to grow up and be Superboy. 
um, but yeah, I mean, and the Warg stuff was really good. It was for interesting, all the stuff, for but it all was, the, for it all was the, clunkily told. Yes, for all the things that he gave us that were so terrible and mirroring, he gave us so little about Bran. And so many things about Bran, he made us infer and guess and connect dots. By the end, I was thinking, yeah, that was Bran speaking through the tree. Yeah, that was Bran influencing Theon. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was Bran speaking through the crow. Right. It so it just he could have spent more time on that and mm-hmm. and he didn't because they made that huge trip and Cold Hands. Who do you think Cold Hands is? I have no idea. Do you even speculate? Or do you just really have no idea and you just leave it to the, at that and cold hands is just cold hands? Cold hands is cold hands. He can be whoever he wants to be. He can be Rhaegar Targaryen for all I care. Supposedly his real name, oh, I don't know. No, never mind. That's the Green Seer's real name is Brendan Rivers. Um, yeah. But, and I, I have no idea who cold hands is. He He's very interesting. The words of the Oath of the Night's Watch hold power over him which is very intriguing as far as a plot point. And he helps because the the oath has some power over him. And I don't know how that could be. He's some sort of a white, but he's not crazed like the other ones are. And we've seen brothers rise up and become whites and not have this sort of independence and freedom and and loyalty, if you will. Right. Um, So I don't know what to think about Cold Hands, quite honestly. I'm waiting to see what develops. I think I think Cold Hands is Benjamin Stark, but ooh, oh, and the reason he's not is because the oath does mean so much to him. Ooh, have you not thought of that before? No, I haven't. And I think that the reason that he is able to control what he does is because he is a Stark in the whole war. Green Seer children, that that's part of their blood and part of their family and that he instinctively was able to hold on to that because he buried the dragon glass, the obsidian. He buried all those things in his cloak. He wouldn't have been able to touch those things or hold on to them anymore. But he would have known that if they had come looking for him, that that Ghost would find them. And he could have actually led Ghost to find them. That's awesome. I know I have never really connected these dots before to put that speculation together. And that he would he would be silently influencing and protecting Bran. And he also didn't he also get John back to the castle? Um didn't he also help John? Or no, it was Sam. Sam, yes. He helped Sam, but he knew by helping Sam, he would be helping John. Because he never shows his face. If he sh- showed his face to Bran, or he had, Sam wouldn't have known, but if he'd shown his face to Bran, Bran would have known who he was. Most definitely. So, I, 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 think, I think he's Benjamin Stark. I see no reason to disagree with you. But I could be totally wrong. You could be, but I'll be wrong right there with you. But I just got this overwhelming feeling in this book that he was Benjamin Stark. And that part of his part of his commitment to the Night's Watch and to the Stark family was to ensure that Bran made it to see Brendan Rivers to the Three Eyed Crow, and that you know he was able to fulfill his destiny and meet the children and do whatever it is that Bran needed to do. So that was I like it because uh, they they do spend a lot of time 
even still in this book saying Benjen has never been found and never come back. And then there's cold hands and, oh, we don't know what he is. We don't know who he is. But on the other hand... It could be a huge red herring, but... But on the other hand, we don't know who um, went to the Citadel and killed the pig boy either. This happened in Feast for Crows? I believe so. Didn't um, Pate, if you remember, I believe it's the epilogue or... Is it the epilogue or is it the prologue? There's the there's like the there's the I don't even know what he is, but he's like the kid that started and they can't even make it to Forge's first link. Oh, and he yeah. keeps and he keeps he keeps just keeps trying and he, and he's trying to earn enough money to buy the virginity mm-hmm. of the whore. Mm-hmm. And then somebody tells him that he can turn he can turn iron into gold or whatever. And then he the next last time you see Pate, he's they he's not he's it well, it seems like he's killed them. But then again, based upon everything that happened in Dance with Dragon, he's probably alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's alive. Yeah. No, it's been so long since I read Face for Crows I couldn't discuss any plot points in that, except in a very, very, very general sort of way. Well, when I first read that, I thought maybe it was I thought maybe it was it was Benjen who had taken off down to the Citadel to try to find something out from the archives and the masters about yeah. the others. But I don't but think he would this, have left without notifying the Night's no. Watch that he was going. But I think after this one and Cold Hands and I think I think I changed my mind that it was cold that he's cold hands. But anyway, I'm I'm diverting. John What'd you think of John's arc? I liked it a lot. I, I thought did. It was be- seeing big picture stuff and using good logic and you know he's consulting with his, his commanders and his officers but he's I liked commander, I, so I liked how he was taking Melisandre with he's being very cautious with her she was mm-hmm. being trying to be very manipulative with him and mm-hmm. he was being very much you know the mature because we have to remember, he is still. I think maybe I'm not 17. sure. How many, Seventeen. Yeah, he's he's not that old, and that <laughs> I would think that his hormones would be raging, and and she could manipulate him. Her powers over him could be very. You know, she could do things to him. Just it wouldn't take much. I mean, and and she she pushes him in ways. You know, she walks. She asks to him to hold her arm and she wants to stand next to him enough so that he can feel her warmth and you know she's manipulative and and he knows that that's exactly what she's doing and so I like that he's mature enough that he can understand that she's trying to work him and Mm -hmm. so I I liked that and I that's part of the reason why I I think I started to maybe like Melisandre a little more is is well we got the point of view from her but we realized that she really was i think trying to help john rather than being a hindrance to him and john himself i thought was being an excellent commander that he had things going on in his and and under his watch that no other commander had had for thousands thousands of years years. Thousands of years with, you know, the lowest amount of men possible to take care of it. And, I mean, his men were squabbling and fighting over petty things. And they were losing sight of the, losing sight of their vows over what they were really meant to do. And I thought he was doing a really excellent job. And then they stabbed him. Yeah, right there in the courtyard. It's like... Four, five, six times. And I was so, so pissed about that. And... 
I had the realization just a few days ago, we don't need to be upset. He's going to live because Melisandre's right there. And I did, I did, it did take me a little while. Maybe not until a couple of days ago, but it took me a few days after I read it. I remembered that Melisandre was there. That it may not need to go as far as her bringing him back from the dead, mm-hmm. but that she's a skilled heal, a skilled healer. And then it never seems like she's far from him. Yeah, she can it's, get to him before he dies and, and heal him up so he doesn't turn into one of those yeah. resurrected but I, things. I think I think he can be I think he can be patched up and I think he's lived through some pretty serious injuries mm-hmm. and and he's he's done it by warging in the ghost, I think, is that he leaves his body and, and allows his body to heal whether he does it consciously or subconsciously, I think he he's used a ghost as a way to allow his body to heal at times when his mind couldn't cope with what was going on. I'm getting mm-hmm. a little too, little too deep. But No, I get I get you. But he's He's taken advantage of of Ghost's physical body at times when his physical body was not in the shape to handle him. And then I also can't believe that Ghost is not... Tearing throats out? Yeah, really right there around the corner and just going to go and just eat someone. I'm not sure where Ghost is at the end. And if he wasn't there, then he has to be pretty damn close and we better get a chapter in the next Mm. book. (laughs) Especially since it's called The Winds of Winter, I would hope that we'd find out about the wall. Yeah, what it will be is the one of the first John chapter will be John will be resting in bed. Ghost will be by his side. He'll be scratching will the direwolf's ears and going, "Oh, you're such a good wolf." And he'll re- remember about what happened the time in the courtyard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. And I seem to recall that he had to do a lot of rewriting because he was relying too much on flashbacks. To which I say, W T. Why? Why could we just not see it happen? Why could we not just see the end of the fight? I don't know. Why could we not just see ghosts jump up and tear the shit out of people Mm. and, you know, them drag John back to his room and quarters and, you know. It was just prevalent across the whole book is that the chapter would start with a couple of pages of the character remembering the events that have gone on since the last chapter. The whole book was very passive. I it felt was like it was very a, passive. It was a very passive voice. It's like everything was very passive. It would get to the end and something would start to happen and you're like, ooh, some action. This would be great. And then it ended and usually it ended with and then the character was dead. Yeah, and it's like it's like he spent so much time writing these excellent battle scenes. Ugh, my dog. They spent so much time writing these excellent battle scenes. All the stuff like at the at the heat of the moment that was, you know, very much in the moment. That he just got tired of having to do the work about it, so he just wanted to remember everything. <laughs> it's easier for me to remember it than it is for me to tell the story. So Yeah, but he's breaking one of the fundamental rules of writing, which is you show, not tell. Yeah, so we don't get to see everyone's reactions. We don't get to see what happens. We only get to see it from whoever's remembering it. Which I think is just... Annoying. I was very, very vocal in the previous recording. I dropped a lot of F-bombs. Well-deserved, I think. But I, I want to state that my problem is not so much with the plot, you know, such as it is, but my problem is entirely with the style of how this book was written. And I don't like the style. I don't like the it was passive very, voice. It was, I don't, 
Yeah, it's very divergent mm-hmm. from everything else that he's written. Yeah. And also, I want to point out that I do not think we needed a rehashing of what happened with Sam and what happened with John. Mm-hmm. Because we already had it. We already knew what happened with Gelly. We already knew that the baby was gone. <sighs> I'll give him the Mant stuff. That was important. I'll, you know, I'll give him, I'll give him some of it. I'll give him the dollar. I, but at first I was a little confused. Yeah. I said to myself, didn't, like, haven't well, I read this already? Well, because I was like, well, Sam is gone. How yeah. is Sam back here? And that goes back to how he broke the book apart. And I think it was stupid to do it geographically. I think it's confusing. It needed to be chronologically. And I don't think that we were very well served by having additional chapters at a, an arbitrary point. He said, okay, the timelines have verged again. And now we're, we're going forward in time from the end of Feast for Crows. One, it wasn't well demarked. And two, I think it doesn't serve us well. No, the whole book was transitional and... Sloppy. It was obvious that it was hard for him. I think that it's the point of the middle of the story. It's the middle of the story. It's the part of the story that's hard for every, anybody that writes anything. Because it's always the beginning and the end that seem to come so easily. And it's just connecting the two. And you have to connect the two. And then he's right in the thick of the middle. And he mm-hmm. let some of the things that needed to be dealt with go. And he tried too hard to talk about things that didn't matter. And it's just, I don't know who his editor is or if he's... He's got to be working without an editor at this point because there's far too many instances, P.S. and I had this, where we just want to whip out the beta highlighter and just go through and start highlighting. Yes, and I did notice that because there were times when I thought, he just used that word. Mm -hmm. How many times are you going to use that phrase or how many times are you going to use that sentence and then like... Or how many times are you going to use that modifier in the same, you know, two pages? Mm-hmm. And You're a better writer than that. There's 18 points of view, which is up from 12 in Feast for Crows and is up from 10 in Storm of Swords. And it's just too scattered. The, char- the characters and the individual points of view have lost their voices. And I think that if this book wanted to be done well, I think it needed to have gone to an editor. And an editor would have ripped it apart and sent it back. And he was just ready for it to get off of his hard drive. Yeah. He's like, it's just going to go because I'm ready to get the beast. The beast needs to be off my back. He was just tired of writing this book. We could have done without Quentin Martell. We could have done without Davos as much as PS loves him. He, he didn't do anything. We could have done without Asha. Could have done without Arya. And we could have I, done without Victorian Greyjoy. Yeah, he didn't do anything for me. And Theon, Reek, Reek, what rhymes with Reek? Reek Smeek. Reek <laughs> My name is my name is Meek. My name is Reek. I feel bad that he got his cock cut off. Good. I'm not the only one who picked up on that. I feel bad that, you know, he's been flayed in seventeen places and he's lost several digits. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It. You know what? He deserved it. He deserved it. He's a <laughs> bastard of the highest order. <laughs> I have not liked him from the beginning. He deserved what was coming to him. I'm like that he got knocked down several levels, and it and it had to be a Bolton that did it. Good mm-hmm. job, Ramsey. You go. <laughs> we have a fan of Ramsey Bolton. Well, oh. 
I did oh, like his there. arc, you know, from Reek to to uh, you know, sort of Theon again, and then back into Reek. But the different titles we got from the Prince of Winterfell, the Turncloak, a Ghost in it's like who the hell that are we talking made, about now? This is Reek or Theon. That made me that made me work too hard for it. That made me work too hard for it. And when he was being Theon or having to to play his part as Theon, I was still confused about why he was doing that because he was Reek. Because he was told to pretend to be Theon. Right. I mean, so it's like I had to string it back together and I'm like, oh, 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 because you're confusing me too much because, you know, you've broken him. I like that he got what was coming to him. (sighs) But it made his arc a little difficult to follow. Yeah compounded with all the other problems in this book you know you could have dealt with it otherwise yeah i like i said if this book had come several years ago i don't think i'd be bitching as much because i wouldn't have had all these additional years to be building up the expectation of what i really expected to see in this book or what i was hoping to have resolved at this point or what additional information we would know because really i'm still feel about the same way i felt at the end of feast for crows unsatisfied yeah i mean danny yeah and we left danny you know getting picked up by you know Cal drogo's old blood rider cal joko <laughs> yeah yeah and you know while he might be impressed that she has a dragon my first inclination is that he's just going to kill her. So, Or he'll try to use her like everyone else. Like everyone else. And there again, she's going to have to prove that she's, you know, strong. And, and that's going to undo everything that he spent, that he did in book five. Because she'll go back, you know, to being a Khaleesi. And she's been everything but a Khaleesi in this book. Yeah, she she very well could take over the Kalasar if she... If if Drogon eats Kaljoko, I'd she, like for him to eat him. <laughs> so would I. And you know, she just identifies herself to the Kalasar and says, "Follow me, or my dragon will eat you too." I'd really like. I'd really like for Drogon to eat all of the Blood Riders. Anybody that's still around that was a Blood Rider, I'd like for him to just go hunting and eat them all because they should have done the right thing. But then again, they were Blood Riders and they liked raping people. So I I know that, is it Ellie? Yes. Is that her name? Ellie and P.S. were very disturbed by all the rape. I really wasn't. Okay. I, I, yes, there's a lot of demeaning things in here to women. There's also a lot of demeaning things in here to little people. There's a lot of unpolitically correct things going on. Like what? Where do we start? The incest? Um, <laughs> yeah. The murder of children? Because, um. you know, I'm going to guess or assume that in whatever time that's similar to our own times that this was depicted, pretty much if you wanted a woman, you just raped her. If she wasn't willing to open her legs for you, you just took her. That's just the way it was. If you were a husband and you got married, this this has even been prevalent until even in the last century. Wives were supposed to submit and obey. If you were married, you as a husband had every right to walk into your bedroom every night and have your wife. If you're, Whether or not your wife was in the mood. It's only been until recent times that it's not been okay. And even back you know, way back in medieval times, I think that especially when you're talking about the caste, not the caste system, but 
you're talking about levels of society. Somebody that's a lord, he wouldn't have any respect for a servant. She wouldn't mean anything to him. So we wanted to screw her, he'd screw her. So I'm, I'm not a historian, uh, and I only play one on podcasts. I know Ellie is a historian, and she would love to talk with you about this. Well, and I'm not a historian either. I just, I know from what I've read, and I mean, and, well, it's not extensive, but I do like to read period stuff, and I would like to believe that some people have done their research. But I know that, you know, just in history, women are submissive and, and have not had that kind of respect. They have not had that kind of voice in society to be able to stand up and say it's not all right. It hasn't, mm-hmm. not until the feminist movement in the 60s, 50s and 60s, when it was after suffrage, was it okay for women to stand up and say that's not okay. You know, that's not right. So, I can totally see. Yeah, it might be bothersome to feminists. It might be bothersome to have to read about it. But you know what? If you don't like it, then don't read the book. Which is a, a fair point to make as well. I, I gotta say, I was bothered by it. And I, I don't know, I was accused of being a misogynistic bastard in episode 37. <laughs> Yeah, I I so. read that, which I fucker. <laughs> I hope you're listening to this, whoever you are. I'm a misogynistic bastard <laughs> because I think you're a motherfucker. <laughs> oh. uh, thank you, Jen. I love you. <laughs> Here's your misogynistic bastard. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, mommy, where do we go from here? <laughs> I I think I'm pretty much talked out about it. I I want more. I always wanted more. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the next book. All in all, I still felt okay enough after looking back at all of it to give somebody book one. Me too. And that's that's all I can say is what I said when I started the podcast is that I felt confident enough about the series and about what George Martin is doing. And even though this book was weak, I feel confident enough to hand over the book and recommend it as something that's in my top five things you must read. Oh, I will definitely continue to inform people about this book and get them started because the first three are brilliant. They really are brilliant. And there's there there are good plot developments in these two books, even if the style is lacking. I mean, I think people can enjoy that aspect of it if they can look past the problem areas. And I just, like you, I hope that Winds of Winter is better than this. And, and I hope we don't have to wait 10 years for it. I'd just be curious, once it's all done, I'd be curious what people think of it if they read it, you know, from start to finish without mm-hmm. having to wait, without having to wait on it. Yeah. If they would feel the same way we did. And yeah. I don't think they would. No, probably not. But it's an entirely different metric. And, you know, I'll probably feel different about it after I've got the whole series to go back and reread. Because, I, you know, I found that every time I reread it, I find things. I find tie-ins. I find things that I hadn't found before. And so I'm sure that there are things in this book that I'm meant to find and I haven't found them yet. And once I find them, then I'll be more accepting of it. Because I, at first I wasn't really, didn't think it was really all that, really all that appreciative of Feast for Crows either. But the more I've read that book, the more, the more I really think that there was something there. I'm interested to reread Feast for Crows now that I have Dance with Dragons. 
And I'm interested in seeing who puts together a timeline of what chapter goes where in, in a chronology. And I would definitely like to read it in that format. Yeah, I, hmm, yeah, that'd be cool. Hey, somebody do that. <laughs> uh, if any Puffwanians do this, I'll give house points. And, and if anybody you know, finds somebody who has done this. Yeah, and, and, and if you, know, you do it, we'll give you house points and we're not misogynistic bastards. See? We care about more than ourselves. We do. <laughs> Go us. We are awesome. We are awesome. But I really, I just, I think the TV series is going to, you know, be able to help me get it through it. I am appreciative okay. of the series, if for no other reason than to have the television series, because it, it's so awesome. It's so well acted. Well, that, and I think that, I think, I truly believe that HBO would not have contracted this series if there wasn't something going on already with books six and seven, at least roughly, because they've already optioned the second season. And they're already talking about doing Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons as one right. season. Although how they're going to do it as one season, I don't know. They'll probably yeah. have to do two seasons and just yeah. spread it out chronologically. So, I mean, they're already they're already talking about this and and they're they're going to get to the point where they need it. And I don't feel like with as religious as they've been, yes, there've been changes, but they've done very well with sticking to the the parts of the story that they'll be willing to just finish it off without him having written book 6 and 7. So, it's been very successful. You know, I'd like to hope that it's still around when it's time for those seasons to come i just i just don't see you know big production companies i just cannot imagine that they that they would sign on to something as large as this without some kind of assurance yeah that the it, story is there it's a really big risk to take especially in the current economy yeah i mean it just it would be insane to do i mean even if it was a story that was being written by writers i mean that it you know like on a show by show basis not and not one that was being adapted from books you know so they were taking a risk doing it from the books they'd be taking a huge risk if they were even you know just doing this as an original series I have to believe that it's there and that he spent some of this time stockpiling. I, I hope, hope so. I hope. I predicted it at one point. I hope you that did. I'm right. I hope you're right, too. I just, I, they signed on. They created a marketing, crazy marketing giant Gimmick. out of it. They've involved him in everything. I just can't imagine how there isn't anything. Apparently, he wrote a couple of the scripts for the TV show. I think it's he, um, in his contract, he writes one script for each season. Ah, very nice. Yeah, I saw that somewhere. I think it was on his Not A Blog. There there was a link for an interview that he did with Google. I think that's where I heard that. I don't check his Not A Blog all that often. Well, I, I have checked it more since I read this book and was pissed off. <laughs> it's like I keep waiting for, you know, some sort of explanation. <laughs> keep hoping that he'll just post some tidbit of something there it's like john is really not ned's son just thought you should know okay thanks bye <laughs> <laughs> guys i'm sorry that the book sucks so bad but i, I just needed to be done with it <laughs> yeah I, I mean i just you know i keep thinking that you know he'll write something in binary code one day and it'll you know it'll be translate out and say Benjamin stark is cold hands <laughs> 
I don't get too much involved in the theories that go out there. I really only have just read the books. I'm not in this fandom at all, really. So, well, I'm not either. I'm I'm just into what I think, and that's what I think. <laughs> you know, hey, you've convinced me. So, I'm just into what I think in my head from the time I've read the book the first time until I've read it the second time or the third time, and each time I read it, I I get a different sense of something, and I'm convinced now after reading this fifth book that the cold hands is is Pension Stark, and so I makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, the the series is full of red herrings and... Just as much as I'm convinced that Samuel Tarly is not as fat as he used to be. Oh, he can't be. Not under the rations they've been having, and with all the physical exercise he's been getting, he is not as, as big I as mean, he's described initially. He walked from the fist, uh-huh. and he he's walked and walked and walked, and he's almost died, and then... <sighs> Where was it? they went to Pentos or was it to Mir? Um, I don't know where they went. I but think it was Pentos. But they rode on the ship and they puked for three months and could <laughs> barely eat. And then they were there and then they didn't have any money to eat. Then they went to the city. He puked some more. I mean, he just puke, 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 puke. I mean, Gilly, yeah, she wanted to leave her father's house and go with him, but she did it because she wanted was pregnant and wanted to get away. But now all of a sudden, you know, she's a little more interested. And he's always talking about hiking up his pants. <laughs> he's hiking up his pants because they won't stay on. Yeah, he needs to tighten the belt. Yeah. And, you know, I'm ready for Samwell to go back home and Randall to walk up to his dad and say, fuck you and the horse that you rode in on, buddy. I would love to see that scene. Well, I think his father is going to get quite the, uh, the, the quite the culture shock, if you will, when Gilly shows up and says, "This is Sam's bastard son." <laughs> well, I mean, I just I think Sam is going to turn up and he's going to be an other killer. Sam the Slayer. Sam the Slayer is going to be back to go to the Citadel to learn a trade to you know help the wall and we'll have done all these things and we'll have be groomed to be the hand of the king basically essentially yeah that's what the the master steward is yeah he's he's been sent to learn how to be the hand of the king and you know his father was ready to kill him like livestock i think his dad would just be so happy to hear that sam fathered a bastard (laughs) yay my son isn't gay yeah yeah, but I think that Sam is not his porky little self anymore. No, I don't think Sam has been that person since he decided to go swear his vows in front of the old gods. And I really, really liked that moment in the series. Yes, I did too. I like Sam. Sam is Sam is one of my favorites. I he, hated he's very it. Very likable. I hated it that I didn't get anything more about Sam than what I already knew. But he was in the last book, so he was. Yeah, I, he in was this in a, He was in the last book, so I already knew that he wasn't really going to be in this one. And I had already. I had already resigned myself to not knowing what was going on with him, so I was surprised to see him in there. So that was part of my confusion. <sighs> all right, I could go on, talking, go on talking about my favorite people all night, I think. <laughs> so why don't we? Oh yeah, that whole thing called gotta go to bed and get up tomorrow morning. Mm, well, the only thing I have to do tomorrow really is be a mom and be a wife and... We have Meet the Teacher Day tomorrow because my daughter starts kindergarten on Wednesday. Oh my goodness. I don't know how long how long you've 
been around or how long the people who are listening have been around listening with me, especially since we were peon cast. But I think I've been podcasting, you know, for about three years. So I was talking about, I mean, Elizabeth was little when I started and my kid is going to start kindergarten in a day and a half. Oh my God. Don't think about it too much. Oh, oh my God. You're just going to psych yourself out. Don't think about it. No, I'm really excited for her. She's really, really excited. I just, I mean, I'm just like, where have five years gone? It has, she, five years old. It's like, she was just puking on me, you know, like yesterday. <laughs> and sometime next week, she'll be doing it again. Probably. <laughs> But, I mean, it just, it goes so fast. And everybody always says that. They tell you, it goes so fast. Enjoy it while you can. Well, it goes so fast. Enjoy it while you can. (laughs) But she starts kindergarten on Wednesday. I'm just so freaking floored by it. And, you know, my crazy Gen 2 story today is I was mowing my yard. And we have a riding lawnmower. And I've been mowing my yard a lot lately because my husband has been very very busy at work so i've been i've been super gen too mm-hmm. a lot and my daughter has this really huge ass playset in our backyard <laughs> it's big i and noticed you use the present tense has so obviously you didn't run over it no well you if i would you know like just crash in you know my riding lawnmower if i did because it's got two swings and like a monkey bar thing that hangs and then on one end of it it's got a rock wall that you climb up that goes climbs up to the beam that goes across the swing set and and then across the swing set it's like a big tunnel and you crawl through there. And then on the other side of the swings is like a big treehouse type thing. And then underneath that is like a sandbox with a little picnic bench and stuff. And then the slide comes out from the treehouse and it's got like a little platform walk around it. It's big. You're making me want to be a kid again. <laughs> it's just really big. So when I mow the yard, I think we have a pretty big riding lawnmower, but it takes me three passes to go through the middle of the swing set part from like swing one to swing two with the bar in the middle. Well, I always drive through them and, you know, I just just pick up the swing as I'm driving through and like throw it over my head. (laughs) Well, as I was driving through the last time, the swing, as I was picking it up and, you know, trying to wiggle through it, it caught the bar on my lawnmower to adjust the height of the mower. Oh, no. And we mow our yard, or I mow our yard really tall, and it's been growing really fast lately, so I had it up on the highest level. And I heard something clank, and I'm like, what the hell was that? And then I looked, and it's just like blowing grass like I've never seen before in my life. Dropped the blade all the way down, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I've never seen grass blowing like that. And I'm like, what in the hell is happening? Just be glad I'm the just, blade didn't come off. Well, and I, I mean, like, my eyes are, I mean, I'm just, like, thinking this. And it's like, but I didn't even think to take my foot, you know, off of the accelerator. I'm just like, where is all this grass coming from? I'm like, was this all stuck in the mower? <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked down beside me, I'm like, Oh my 
God, it's on one. And I look behind me, it looks like a freaking meteor landed in our yard and just get <laughs> <laughs> it across our yard. And I, was, back. I was so pissed. And Jeff's just like, it's a landing strip. <laughs> you put a landing strip in our yard. And I'm like, it's okay. Uh, no, she has something to play with out there, and she can make use of it. And, oh, it's a landing strip and play airplane or space uh, alien or something. I just, it was like massive amounts of grass. I've just never seen that much grass come out of my lawnmower. And it like blow, it was blowing out, and it went up the slide, and it like blew grass all the way up the slide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like a whole bag of grass blew right up the slide. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> It, I mean, it literally took me 15 seconds to realize, you know, it's like 20 feet of meteor sh- strip out there. <sighs> and you It'll know, I, I'm a girl. Uh-huh. I, get a, I get a mulligan because I'm a girl. <laughs> I, was trying to make, I was trying to make golfing green out there. That's what I was trying to do. It was just the wrong kind of grass. <laughs> Four. <laughs> I was trying to make a putting green. Oops. <laughs> Want to work on the chip shot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wow. I may have left a divot in the grass. Oh, yeah. That's a I'm pretty, pretty big sure driver you're using there. <laughs> I, pretty, I pretty much, you know, mowed up the roots, but whew, it was pretty noticeable. I'm just like, I was just looking at it and like, Scratching my head, and I'm like, I wonder if my husband's gonna notice that when he gets home. It has to do with the lawn, I guarantee you. Yes, he will notice. I I pointed it out. That's I, I probably him. a wise thing. That yeah. way, he doesn't walk out there. What the hell is this? Yeah, he. Yeah, he's been very good, allowing me to take care of his lawn, even though he's working twelve-hour days and. Couldn't mow it himself, if, even if he wanted to. But my daughter is starting kindergarten. My God. That's so awesome. She's going to be riding a bus by herself. Ah! <laughs> I'm excited for you. I'm, I'm happy. I am too. I'm, I'm really, really, really excited for her. I hope we can keep her well. Hope yeah, we can my, keep her well. We can hope, hope we can keep her immunity disorder in check and that her teacher will work with me and keep her away from snot blowing children purple kosh i don't know we've been going almost two and a half hours at this point this could probably be its own episode oh my god (laughs) that's so funny i didn't have i didn't even realize that i had this much to talk about jen i didn't know you squeaked i can squeak yeah I learned that because I have a five-year-old kid Uh. who was walking in Target today with her little best friend, Sadie, singing Justin Bieber. And they were walking around holding hands going, baby, 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 oh. I'm so sorry. I know, but it was cute because they're five. And they just kept just doing that one line over and over. Mm -hmm. Baby, 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 oh, baby, baby, baby. Oh, <laughs> they're just, they just holding hands and they were singing. I thought you'd always be mine. <laughs> <laughs> poor Jen. Poor, poor Jen. Yeah. I, st- I stop at the Justin Bieber birthday party. 
<laughs> you mean you do not have Bieber fever? No, I do not have Bieber fever. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Uh, <sighs> I get the feeling I'm going to drop in some Potter musical clips right here about Zephron and his hair and his humanitarian work. <laughs> you go. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, shall we put together the closing here? Sure. Well, it's been your episode, so go for it. Well, this has been Gen 2. And, and Death Roll. Oh, I was going to wrap it oh, up for you. Okay, take two. Well, this has been Gen 2 and Death Roll. And we've been here talking about how much I kind of did and didn't like A Dance with Dragons. And I had no idea that I've been talking for how long now? Two hours, 20 minutes. Actually, no, no, no. Two hours because we we started a little bit late. Two hours now. Holy cow. Let's just do the length of the call. Yeah, two hours. Holy cow. We got three hours of recording when it was the big group. I am a gas bag. (laughs) (laughs) well for those of you who've had to listen to me going on for the last two hours i hope you enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) i was here to provide a sounding board and answer points and help you focus but no i was i was really here for you tonight and i'm glad you had a lot to say well i did have a lot to say i enjoyed the book and didn't enjoy the book and like everybody else i'm waiting for the answers go george go and hopefully we will get them soon. Before I die. Before Someday. he dies. No, before I die. <laughs> I don't care when he dies. I just want to make sure that it comes to me before I die. Because I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know when he's going to die either. But, you know, I could knock over tomorrow. But I would like to know that when I'm dead, I would have read the last book. Well, if he dies and we never see anything else in this universe, I'll write a fan fiction for you. And then you can know how it ends. Cool. Awesome. We can all band together and write a chapter. It we might be all, even. We can all pick a character. Yeah, it might even be better than this book. <laughs> all right. No, no more disrespect. No more hate. There's good in it. Just it's unfocused and not well edited. And so. it's a transitional book. And we it, just have to recognize it for what it is. It has its faults, but I'm not turned off by the series. I will come back and read Winds of Winter. But I I have high expectations for that book as well. I guess you might even say I have higher expectations for it now, given the problems that I've had with this book. I just hope Dario and the Magic Penis is not in. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Magic Penis. (laughs) 